Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. You are too kind. Look at you over there looking all good. What's up? What's happening? Hello, and welcome to the Whole Heart Truth, brought to you by the DNVR Podcast Network. Search the DNVR Podcast Network. Search the Whole Heart Truth wherever you get your podcasts. That'd be Apple Podcast Platform or Spotify. That's where you'll find us for all this riveting content. All right. This episode of The Whole Heart Truth is about cryptocurrency. You know, right now it's exploding and it doesn't seem to be turning uh, backwards at any time. It's a bull run, as I've been told. What does all that mean? What the hell is cryptocurrency? What the hell is Bitcoin? Well, I tapped in with a homeboy of mine who we don't go back like hairlines, but I consider him family. His name's Brandon West. Brandon works for an innovative company in the cryptocurrency space here in Denver, Colorado, called Salt Lending, doing uh, very innovative things in the cryptocurrency space. You want to understand more about this economic phenomenon? I do. Well, that's what we have B West for. Without further ado, I give to you the whole hard truth about cryptocurrency with Brandon West. You need to know that this call is being recorded for quality assurance. <laughs> Brandon West, welcome to the whole hard truth. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. Happy to be on. Good to have you on. You know, um, you and I go way back. Uh, all the way to sports on sports. Um, people who don't know you like I know you, they'll need to know that when I bring a witness on here, uh, he's been well wadeered. So uh, please explain to uh, the whole Heart Truth fam what it is that you do for a living and how long you've been doing it. Yeah, totally. Um, so I work in uh, product development as a product manager for a local Denver startup that specializes in creating financial service products for cryptographic assets like Bitcoin. Wow, that's 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 a mouthful. Cryptographic um assets such as Bitcoin. The only if people hear Bitcoin they know that that's talking about cryptocurrency. And what's crazy is like Bitcoin is now like Kleenex. When people talk about cryptocurrency, regardless of how many different coins they are they usually just refer to it as Bitcoin. Just like when you're talking about blowing your nose on a tissue, people refer to it as a Kleenex. Or when you drink a soda, it's like a Coke. Um, so it's crazy just that, you know, that, that when you break it down like that and when it sounds like that, like cryptographic, you know, it, it just puts a whole new spin on it. Um, as I understand Bitcoin, um, the the viability in it is in the tech. As you understand it, what is the technical viability of cryptocurrency statewide, let alone worldwide? Um, well, I mean, the, the protocol of it is, is cemented and it is protected in that it is like the largest distributed computing network in the world. But I think it's more important to, when you're talking about Bitcoin, to like think about the problem that it solves, which is that currently governments control our money and they do a really shitty job of managing its value. Straight up and down. 
<laughs> it has to be like I think understood that the dollar, for instance, uh, and where we find ourselves currently, which is on the precipice of what many would say is an economic collapse, lying in wait, and how absent of really comparable ability that the dollar itself is of pulling us out of said freefall because of its worth globally. Am I saying – did I say anything incorrect in saying that? Um, no. I guess my, my, like, my counter to that would be is, like, you know, what do you or anybody else think actually backs the value of the dollar? Well, it's supposed to be the gold standard, right? But if you were to crack open Fort Knox, who knows how much gold uh, lies there within or the lack thereof? Well, so it's like... the, the U.S. removed the, the gold standard in 1973. So okay. the value of the dollar hasn't been pegged to gold, at least in a, any meaningful peg, like, you know, 10, 10 to 1 in, you know, 50 years. So then what is the dollar backed by frame with? Uh I mean the the dollar is backed by the ability of the US military to force <laughs> citizens to pay taxes and to make it the unit of value in international trade. That's it. See, that you know, that that's a that's a that's a slippery slope. You know, I I, I posted the other day um, just this, this counter that you can go to and it, 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 whether it's in real time or not, uh, it's a very dramatic expression of how many U.S. dollars we go into debt on a second-by-second -second basis as our debt continues to grow. And when you say something like, well, the gold standard hasn't been the backer of U.S. You know, currency since the 70s, and this clock has been rolling. And sometimes, you know, during the Clinton era, we know that he was able to, the only president, I think, of the recent history that was able to get us into a surplus where we weren't operating out of a deficit. Uh, and then the Bush administration came in and promptly cracked that piggy bank open and spent all that on on their, their wars and many, 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 many wars. To know that there is no true um, hard item that you can attach the value of the U.S. dollar to. Sure, bullets and, and, and missiles are hard enough, but you're only the bully on the block because there's a bigger bully on the block. That doesn't instill a lot of confidence in, in, in myself or I would imagine many people in the electorate that are paying attention. Like, what do you foresee happening if that being the case uh, as we know it? And all we're backed by is our, is our military and forcing people to pay taxes. Well, you put a bunch of people out of work, a lot of people can't pay taxes, B. Well, I mean, I think people will start to realize how illogical nation-state governments are and how little they actually serve the general populace. And it's really just socialism for the rich. Right. That's so crazy. As, as people have that revelation... I mean, they're going to be less inclined to pay taxes or as a product of the Internet, people will just leave. You know what I mean? People will, you know, you're seeing it on a micro level with people leaving 
the state of California to go to the state of Texas. Like, right. Elon Musk, who, you know, people want to put under a guillotine, which we can get under the ludic- like that ludicrous opinion here in a little while. Um, but they're leaving because of the regulations and the taxes that are imposed by the state of California, and there's less of that in Texas. Well, as that happens on a much larger level, people will altogether not see the value in being a citizen of a nation state that doesn't that's not serving them. They'll go somewhere else where they pay less in taxes. They can still operate their business because as we continue to expand into the information age as a result of the Internet, more and more businesses that actually generate revenue can happen anywhere in the world as long as you can connect to the Internet. Straight up and down. Well, okay, and along those lines, then we can talk about the migration from – uh, fiat currencies to cryptocurrency. Um, and it's not something that everybody can take advantage of because of access, uh, education. Um, there are different barriers. There, it's not the same as trying to go to a bank and get a loan and being discriminated against or growing up in a neighborhood where you've never really seen, you know, that lived through any of your people or any of your people's people. So there's no real education there for you, nor do you probably or nor do you have the funds readily available to jump into the fiat currency loan game or whatnot, whatever. But something big happened this year where crypto, because for the longest time, crypto had been looked at as like rap music was when it first came out. It's a fad. It'll fade. There's no way in the world that that is going to stick. And lo and behold, it's stuck. Not only has it stuck, um, Bitcoin, for instance, surpassed the gold standard by what four almost five times um this year and in 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 recent years past so when you look at the cryptocurrency space and detailing like how you said you know with people leaving california and opting for a state that is more appealing to their tax benefit um where do you see when you take into account where the u.s economy is where we can foresee it heading because of you know, what's happened in the job market as a result of COVID-19 restrictions and companies like PayPal and um, Cash App jumping into the crypto space, you know, is it too late to jump on the train? Like, where do you put on your prognosticator hat for a second and tell me where you see this headed? Well, I'm certainly not the best person to to project where, you know, a dollar value of where cryptocurrency is headed, but you, you're you seeing a lot of bullish signals in the market. You're seeing, you know, the the Druckenmillers and the, the huge hedge, fund, hedge funds of the world viewing it at a minimum as an insurance policy against the legacy financial system, at a minimum. So they're, they're hedging their treasuries with, you know, 5 to 10% in Bitcoin as a, as a hedge if nothing else, right? So as you're seeing more and more institutional money dump into Bitcoin, they're actually buying Bitcoin at a higher rate than Bitcoin is created. And I don't want to dive too deep into how Bitcoin is created and mining because we'll, it'll go off on, a, on too much of a tangent that'll probably lose some of your your people. But basically... It's being created at a 
out of the demand for it is higher than the rate at which it's being created. Sure. So you have, you know, financial analysts from the city banks of the world projecting that the price of one Bitcoin and by the end of 2021 could be as high as $341,000. Damn. So when you ask, is it too late to get in? No, it's never too late to get in. I mean, Bitcoin is at an all-time high right now, and I got paid today, and I bought some Bitcoin today. And I do that every time I get paid, regardless of what the of what the price is. If it's really on a on a downskirt, then I'll take some of my money that I would have used for something else, and I'll buy the dip and buy it at the lower price point. But to me, it is so. It's it seems like it is so inevitable that we will move to. Bitcoin being a base currency because it just makes too much sense. In, in the same way that we separate church and state, we should separate money and state as well. That 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 part is, and you you know you had shared a book with me. Um, what's the name of that book again? I'm just. Uh, uh, the sovereign individual, probably. The sovereign individual, and it talks about that very thing, which is you know, jumping off of this fiat currency train and just listening to what technology is screaming at us. You know, I mean, our lives are so enveloped in the technological advance that is the Internet alone. This is before you get to Elon Musk's electric cars or whether or not we're going to be able to get to the moon easier and whether there will be commercial travel in space or, you know, automation across the board on a, you know, on a, on a service industry level. You know, our lives, you know, who's not paying their bills online? I'm not saying everyone is, and I think that it's probably uh, inconsiderate to think that the whole country operates like that. But for the most part, if you're lower middle to upper middle class, you're, you're at least paying one bill. At least one of your bills is being paid electronically. Who's showing up to, you know, XL Energy with an envelope in their hand to pay there? And so it's like, you know, the transfer of money and, and, and being able to, you know, pay friends that, you know, you're sharing a, a meal with electronically. Like, this is this is commonplace, you know, behavior now. And so it's like looking at the world through fiat currency eyes seems archaic now. It really does because you don't even carry money in your pocket. Most people don't even carry money in their pocket anymore. But I still don't think that a lot of the American populace understands what Bitcoin is. Because anytime I have a conversation with somebody about it who doesn't understand it, the cavern between or, or the chasm between their understanding and me just telling them what I understand is so wide. How do you put this in layman's terms? And we're going to get to that article that I sent you. How do you put it in layman's terms so that people can start educating themselves on something that that you know very well? Well, let me – before I get into that, let me ask you this. Like, do you know how the Federal Reserve works? No. <laughs> I do know. I, I, I do believe that I know how it works in as much as to say that they have been in the practice of writing IOUs and stuffing them into a suitcase. <laughs> a la I mean, dumb sure, and dumber basically. for the better I mean, part of 20 years. I, I guess what I'm kind of, you know, being coy about is that People don't understand how the Fed works. People don't understand how credit card clearing works. People don't understand a lot of things. But what people like what matters to people is that it does work, right? 
not right. how it works, that it does in fact work. Right. So the Federal Reserve is working as it's intended to work. Via inflation, they're basically robbing and extorting their poorest citizens and keeping them trapped in poverty. It's designed to work that way. How so? Why? How? If because, you can. Yeah, because year over year, by two by to four percent, the value of the dollar goes down. So even somebody doing what they perceive to be as the right thing and putting away money and saving it, like because it's not in something that's appreciating, it is losing value. Right. And so every dollar is worth two percent less every year. At least, yeah. And I would imagine that we're going to reach a, a point of hyperinflation very, very soon, considering that 22% of the total supply of dollars was freshly printed in 2020. 22% <laughs> of it. So <laughs> basically a fifth, a little over a fifth of the physical right. dollars were printed in 2020 alone. And, and you Exactly. And you have people from the Fed saying things like this, which are very concerning to me. Your ATM is safe. Your bank is safe. There's enough cash in the financial system that there's I'm sorry, there's enough cash in the financial system, and there's an infinite amount of cash in the Federal Reserve. An infinite <laughs> amount of cash. Bro, it's like Reserve. it's like a it's like a it's like a magic tree, man. It's like a it's like Zach's beanstalk tree. So like if if you look like mathematically at zero and infinity as concepts, right? It's like the North Pole and the South Pole. <laughs> they're like they're so similar that they're essentially the same thing. So like sure. if something, if there's an infinite amount of something, ultimately its value will go to zero. Right. And and so like that's what that is kind of where Bitcoin separates itself. So I'm gonna like before I really explain Bitcoin, I wanna explain money, right? So yep. money has five critical traits. Divisibility, durability, portability, recognizability, and scarcity. That, does that make sense to you? Just on it does. Basis? Okay. So prior to fiat money and central banks, free markets determined that gold was the best store of value and thus the best currency, right? Every, right, right. Everywhere around the world, every government held precious metals. Gold was the most precious because it was the, the hardest to mine. It was the most scarce. And there wasn't a way that um, – like an alchemist could create fake gold, right? I mean, so, it's not not that anybody knows of. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's what made it the most the most valuable store of currency. I'm sorry, the most valuable store store of value, and thus you know the selected free market currency. Kind of where that all changed is you know Adolf Hitler, World War II, which is kind of crazy to think about. So when the Nazis started World War II and were taking over all these countries in Europe, the first thing that they would do is they would go and raid their treasury and take their gold. Take their gold. So, yeah, because that's all, all trade is valued off of gold, so it makes perfect sense. So what European countries started doing and what, what kind of got us into this mess is preemptively they took their gold and they sent it to the United States. <laughs> Because they saw the inevitability of, of the Germans and Hitler eventually taking it, and so they did it as a, as a precaution, 
Well, right. the United States joined the war late, and by the time we joined, we basically cleaned up on everybody. By the time the war was over, we had a lot of fucking gold. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were basically able to dictate, one, that the United States dollar was the unit of trade internationally, and two, we were, because everyone was basically destroyed, we didn't have to give back all the gold. That's right. And so you, all around the world, what you, what you actually saw happening was banks would actually store U.S. dollars as a store of value because they didn't have access to gold. Now, that that was all kind of fine and dandy when the dollar was actually pegged to gold. But like I said earlier, in 1973, we completely removed ourselves from the gold standard. So now it's not backed by anything. We basically debulled the world during World War II yeah. and then dumb and dumbered the world uh, come 1973 with the backing of the U.S. military. It's 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 amazing, too, uh, Wes, because there's a lot of years that have passed between 73 and now, obviously, uh, nearly 30. Oh, wait, no, nearly 60. What am I talking about? 50. God, math. Anyway, um, having said that, to be operating on a slippery slope other than, yes, we have a very powerful military, the world's number one military fighting force. It's a slippery slope, and now we're starting to see the reverberations of years and decades of kicking a can down the road is the, the term you always hear uh, yeah. in politics, and, and kicking a can down the road and being able to have the Federal Reserve <laughs> reach into its infinite it reached into infinitum and continue to print. But that's not going to work for much longer, bro. That, that's not going to work much longer, and I don't think we make it past the next three- to five-year window where that's going to work. If yeah, no, the it's going to collapse on itself, inevitably. It has to. It has to. That's just, you know, at a certain point in time, whether it's your debtors coming and calling your debts, you know, like it, pay You know, who is it? China, whoever it is, our that are our debtors pay up right now. We need, I need mine. I need you to run me my money. Um, or it's just the, you know, the system itself just cannibalizing itself and then collapsing. It's coming. Um, will it be, you know, like the Greek collapse or the collapse of Spain's economy or the collapse of the U.S. God only knows. To avert that, can you and your colleagues in the cryptocurrency space, and 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 I do want to get to the comptroller's most recent. Uh, that article that I sent you about his recent inspiration, he thinks it's Nobel Prize award worthy. Um, right. Could cryptocurrency step in and save us from the inevitable, or will we have to hit that floor and then adopt this, this new way of being? So here's what makes Bitcoin so cool, right? So I talked about, you know, the, the five critical traits of, of money, right? The visibility, durability, portability, recognizability, and scarcity. Where where gold kind of failed as being a, like an ideal lack of money is the visibility and scarcity. Right. I'm sorry, not the visibility. It is scarce. I'm sorry. The visibility and portability, right? If you have a bunch of gold, it's heavy as shit and it's hard to move. And if you want to divide up your gold to, you know, you want to just enough gold to buy a burrito at Chipotle, you got to chisel that thing off and weigh it and make the whole process for it, right? So it doesn't, right. it's not ideal money in that context because because of those two reasons. Well, 
Bitcoin is infinitely divisible. So whether you're someone that can afford to buy $10 of US dollars or whether you're someone that has, you know, so much money of a debased currency in somewhere like Venezuela or Zimbabwe that you have to weigh it to, to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, it is, it, 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 it's like, it's set, you know, and it's, right. and it's affordable. So you can take it with you anywhere in the world. It's divisible to the lowest degree. So because of that, it, it allows for economic inclusion at any level. Now, the great thing about it and where it, it, it kind of differs and changes the game is instead of inflation being the policy of Bitcoin, in the protocol for Bitcoin, it is by, by its very nature deflationary. Every two years, the amount of Bitcoin that is minted as part of the mining process that I, you know, I don't really want to get into, but it, that is minted decreases by half. So it, programmatically, it is deflationary. So just by holding it, it increases in value. Mm. See, I, I'm, you know, when you when you when you mention divisibility, I immediately go to. Um, the derivatives market and I understand a little bit about it and people who don't trust the stock market, yeah. but understand um, derivatives and, and uh, you know, and, and these really insidious, I, I would say uh, trading techniques that have been developed in order to keep stretching the crack, listen to that, hear that. And if you don't really detach yourself from that, uh, Wall Street mindset, you would think, okay, there's a problem here. I, uh, what is this based off of? And, and and the way that you explained it sort of pulls that that hesitancy right back in because Bitcoin is not based off of the dollar. Bitcoin is based off of something different. So its ability to revolutionize an economy like the U.S. is, if understood by all of the populace, and 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 adhered to and applied you know to you know certain ways of being because here's the thing is that people wonder well yeah okay you tell me about bitcoin what can i buy with it what can somebody buy with bitcoin like today what can bitcoin get you in the u.s <laughs> consumer based economy funny you should ask uh story just came out today that Pornhub is no longer allowing you to use visa or mastercard mastercard to pay for um it's uh, premium services. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. As a, as a, a decision that came from Visa and MasterCard, so now the only tender on Pornhub is Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. Look at that. The only way you're going to get right? your six from a, your Alexis Texas. The only way you're going to get your Alexis hey, Texas six. If anything is pandemic proof, it's pornography for sure. <laughs> so, but I mean that's only that's only one thing, right? So I mean on places like Overstock, you can use Bitcoin as tender. Um, it's becoming much and more easily accessible to use as payment. Here's the thing, though, people don't really want to use it for that use case because they see the value of holding it. Right. So I mean, you can use it for anything. I mean, primarily what people use it for is a, is a store of value, you know. It's, and and we're kind of taught that debt is bad, right? And it's because most people are in things like credit card debt or student debt, and that shit does suck. It's terrible. It's hard to get out of, and interest rates are high, and it's burdensome, and it prevents you from doing things like buying property, which is actually good debt, right? Because it has right. the potential to appreciate over time. 
Well, when most, you have, most people, if they start a business, most small business owners use the equity in their home to do so. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, equity or, or value in assets is the, like that's good debt. And that's, I'm sorry, that's the type of, you know, asset that you can leverage for good debt. So you can right. say, hey, you know, I've got a house. So I'm going to take out a loan against it and I'm going to start it, start a business. Well, you can do the same thing with Bitcoin. You can give it to somebody as collateral for a loan. And they can give you a U.S. dollar loan in cash, and you can go and use it for its everyday purposes. You have lien against it the same way you would a house. But you still get the whole – like you, the asset is still yours, and it still appreciates in value. Is there a – okay, so it sounds like the dream, right? Um, and in America, as soon as you see the dream, the, the key is to really look out for, you know, look out for the hook, watch for the hook. Where are the hiccups? Where are the flaws? What are the flaws in this in in this Bitcoin cryptocurrency economy, if there are any? Um, sure. I mean, look, I would say that nothing is absolutely perfect, um, and you know, there's certainly potential flaws in everything. I think that the biggest concern with Bitcoin is some sort of new technology that makes that somehow obsolete. Or you know something like quantum computer computing coming along, but if that happens, um, the cryptography that protects Bitcoin is the same cryptography that protects the nuclear codes. So frankly, we have much bigger problems if that happens. Um, I think what you will inevitably see, and you're already starting to see, is nation states, nation state governments are seeing it as a threat, and they will attempt via regulation to try to stifle the use of it. But there's nothing that they can actually do to stop it. You know, Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO. Um, it doesn't have a headquarters. It doesn't know that the U.S. government exists. It doesn't know. Right. It doesn't know whether the person that that buys Bitcoin or that that holds Bitcoin, whether they're somebody that has twenty dollars in their bank account or to their name, or whether they're a trillionaire. It, it doesn't know and it doesn't care. It works the way it works, and it does what it does. And if I understand correctly, that is for um, that that is only for the reason of the way that it's built, the smart contract. And we don't have to get into all of that stuff. But when you when you mention nation states sticking their nose in it, I, I saw something interesting, um, and the headline reads: "Bank chief proposes far out crypto idea." that should be the next Nobel Prize. And this is in Fortune magazine. And it goes on to say that Brian Brooks, who you you think highly of, yes? Um, I mean, well, I don't know enough about Brian Brooks, but what I will say is, like, he at least comes from a place of uh, knowledge with cryptocurrency to be talking about it in the chambers of government as opposed to many, many people in government knowing little about cryptocurrency or even for that matter how the basic internet works that talk about it so that I'll, I'll give him that if nothing else for those that don't know brian brooks is the u.s comptroller he's america's top banking regulator and he's got an idea that is supposedly going to help or could help quite possibly close the wealth gap between uh the developing world and the developed and the undeveloped world and i mean the developed world and the undeveloped world and his idea is having a country coin of sorts, which would reward learners in any country 
with uh, currency, cryptocurrency that is, you know, fashioned after, you know, whatever country you're from. So if it's you're from Argentina, it's the Argentinian coin. If it's from the U.S., it's the U.S. coin for learning. And not just learning about Bitcoin, not just learning about, you know, cryptocurrency, but learning in general because a well-educated populace, according to his belief and a lot of economists' beliefs, is that is that uh that tide that floats all boats the more education that you can that you can uh get your you know populace on a whole to have the more educated you are uh the more apt these people are to innovate in your society um to innovate outside of your society but be able to contribute to your economy by you know still interacting with whatever family or friends or business relationships that they have back in your society and it all sounds real good and 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 as you, I read through the article I'm like that sounds great, but I I stopped at a point, and it's because the learning and the reward for the learning is attached to your ability to be online, do this thing, um, and therefore, in doing the thing, um, get rewarded for your efforts, and that would all happen online. So what happens mm-hmm. to a person that is unable to participate because they don't have access to the technology. And that's a problem not just in third world countries. That's a problem here in the States. Would access be something, in your opinion, Brandon West, that could be a chink in the armor of cryptocurrency being the tide that floats all boats in America? Um, n- no, because, because like, I would say that most people have a cell phone, right? True. But you, yeah. you, you, even as, like, a benefit of, um, you know, people that are that are homeless are sometimes able from the state to get a cell phone that's connected to cellular networks and by proxy in most cases the internet. So I, I, don't, I mean accessibility is a problem, but I don't think it's a major problem, especially you know the way the world is headed. You have um, individuals that seek to make a difference, like uh, my man Akon in Africa trying to provide access to the internet to millions of people. Um, so I think that that's a problem that's solvable, the access part of it. I mean, my bigger concern with it is anytime, you know, a, the nation state is incentivizing learning at their at their discretion, I'd be curious what you're learning, right? Right, <laughs> are they, right. Are they teaching you to be a rank and file, you know, middle, middle lower class well, I mean, that's what he's aiming to not, like to, to fix, right? But I would say historically the educational system in this country is set up in a way to um, create lower middle-class workers to Absolutely. keep the economy in a highly functioning state for those at the top. Well, I mean, and, and, and to that point, you know, now it, it, it seems like with um, current, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, they're not, laws, um, their mandates, I guess you could say at best, when it comes to quarantining and, and, and what, is a, uh, what is a viable business to run during quarantine, um, essential is the word that they use, what is an essential business and what is not, and the ability to take a large percentage of the American workforce and say, well, stay home, and stay home yeah. until further notice. Eliminating $1,200. For twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars in two thousand and twenty, which twelve hundred dollars might you know might last you two weeks in some cities in 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 two thousand and twenty, 
and you get your rent in a lot of cities in bruh, bruh. And so guys like Andrew Yang came along during this presidential run up and were bringing up, you know, or, or, or brought into the ring universal basic income. you know, $1,200 to basically eliminate you from the workforce. When you're talking about these lower and uh, lower income or middle, middle to lower income earners have just been kind of taken out of the equation. And now we, you know, draw closer to some socialist, which I thought most Americans hated some socialist idea of caring for it's a large part of its populace by saying, we'll just put the bill. Could you see, or what, what do you say if I say, maybe is that the is that the the way that they usher in this new era of sort of uh, serfdom, and they use cryptocurrency to do it? Because you can't just keep printing more dollars, could you? Well, I mean, look, if the United States just creates another a coin in which they can control in any manner in which they like and they desire, then it will fail. Like. Over, over time. Why? Well, I mean, time and time again, like, governments hurt the commonwealth via inflation. Like, every government gives into the temptation to control money and change the rules to their benefit. And they externalize those costs on the citizens, to, like, on, on their citizens to the point of social disintegration. Happened in Rome, happened recently throughout Africa and Venezuela, and today it's happening in the United States. We printed nine trillion new dollars in 2020 and every citizen got twelve hundred dollars i think the average right. of that is like at this point for how long the lockdowns have been in place and for how much how long some people have been forcibly kept out of work that is like the equivalent of like 30 cents a day for something in right for 30 cents a day you too can support an american uh bartender yeah and where the fuck <laughs> the did the rest of that money go <laughs> right like where did it go? It went. It went in and bailed out airlines. It bailed out all these businesses. When really, if we actually had like free markets and true capitalism, I think part of the problem, Warren, is people people think that like what we have right now, capitalism, is like a result of free markets that got us here. But it couldn't be more untrue. We don't have free markets in the United States. We have highly regulated markets that true. are that are via um, lobbying, the rules are built to make it nearly impossible for new competitors to come up and drive down the price of goods. That's why everything from healthcare to higher education is like by orders of magnitude outpaces inflation. Right. You know what I thought was crazy, Wes, is that the the ruling on Facebook, I'm no fan of the, of the platform. I don't really yeah. like its founder either, but I am a fan of capitalism and, and, and a free market society as they as they tell us that we live in. You know, the ability to see a, an opening, see a need, meet the need, then do what you do over the course of time to secure your place at the top in terms of that industry. And it's no question that Facebook did that. Now, if you get into the weeds and their purchasing of WhatsApp and their, their purchasing of Instagram, um, you know, did they beat the system in some way, shape, or form in doing so? Um, I, the jury's out with me because I won't pretend to understand where they bought it at, when they bought it. But if I understood correctly at the time, these companies were not what they are now in the marketplace. 
and Kurt. for the the regulatory body that oversaw those <laughs> that oversaw those purchases to come back what is it 10, 10 years later 15 years later i think in the case of whatsapp to come back and in and retroactively penalize facebook for a purchase that they oversaw at the time when it was made is it screams everything that you need to know about how our regulators and how our governing bodies view how money and the economy actually works. It works when they tell you it can work. They, you're, 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 you're allowed to do when they let you do. That's fucking insane, bro. Right. They, like I said earlier, they they change the rules to their benefit. Constantly, As a company. Right? And, you know, Facebook is an interesting thing for you to bring up. I actually think the reason why they got so hot and bothered by Facebook isn't all the social media stuff. It's the Libra coin that they talked about wanting. To I, 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 I was going to ask you about that. We call that a segue in the business. Explain what the Libra coin is and what that could have done, especially considering Facebook's uh, readership, re, uh, membership base. Yeah, so to be honest, I don't know a ton about Libra coin, except for that they wanted to basically create their own currency and uh, have a bunch of different companies go in on it with them. And um, because of the fears of, that the government has of, of big tech and, you know, from the government's point of view, rightfully so, when you when you look at the amount of, of assets that these companies have, it's, you know, the same level as some rather large countries. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when, when the, you know, Facebook reached a little bit, um, and talked about creating this, you know, their, their own form of money. And that's kind of what got them on, on, on the radar big time of us regulators. That's fucked up, man. It's fucked up only because the way it's built to us and, you know, Facebook is by no stretch. I'm not crying a river for Mark Zuckerberg or any of the people at Facebook, you know, They've been uh, mired in controversy since the 2016 election because of the role that they may or may not have played in people being dumbasses and deciding that uh, the current sitting president was the one to vote for. I don't give a damn what came across your timeline feed. I've always been of the opinion that, and you and I, I think, approach social media the same way. It's a great place to be to see what my friends are doing. Um, it's a great place to be to, you know, kind of keep up on news. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I I see a lot of alerts and things that I end up doing research on on Facebook. Yeah. Or on, well, not on Facebook anymore. I, I loathe that, that platform. But on Instagram and on Twitter, not even Twitter, really Instagram. And otherwise, I'm just checking my, my news sources. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I, use, I use Twitter for that personally. The, the trending really? stuff is kind of what leads me to, like, what the fuck is going on today when I, once I pick up the phone and, and, and kind of start my day. But – well, Twitter fucked themselves with me in two in yeah. two ways. One, I'm very you know this. You and I are both pretty snarky when it comes to the back and forth. I think we we had a point in time when we we, we actually encouraged a listener to sports on sports to show up and, and want a box. Yeah, <laughs> at, yeah, we, we at did, your job. We push, them, push them there for sure. Push the little buttons, you know, and and so <laughs> it inspires that in me and and and. Older, more responsible Orin doesn't need that, you know, because I can go. And, and once you start down that rabbit hole. But then it was also their handling of, you know, information that came to light during this recent, this most recent presidential run when, you know, they decided to become the arbiter of what is and what isn't. Um, yeah, real and fake news. Really? I think, 
I think that that's free market movement at work, right? I mean, it is, but it's not. Well, it is, but it's not because inherently, you don't think that inherently those those businesses, unfortunately, those private businesses have, of their own volition, stepped into a different space when they, by virtue of how they work, and you you know, agree with you that they could tell. They can tell certain they can they can tell anybody what they want to do with with their platform, but to right. not allow places like the New York Post to use their platform to publish a story, I it it just screams of incongruity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that it is the 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 free speech you know microblogging thing that it that people think that it is by any means. But I think that you know Twitter and Facebook and all these companies have have a right to say if they think that something is misleading or not true. And if somebody is using that platform and they're unhappy with that, then to me that means that there's a demand for a, another marketplace for that information. And very you saw some, something like Parler, I think that's what it's called, right, the, the right-wing one, social media thing. Parler, I think, is the name of the app. But you saw that kind of rise from that need in a marketplace where people felt like, you know, that Facebook and um, Twitter had gone too left and that they were another apparatus of, you know, mainstream media. So, which is fine. Like, but that's free market dynamics that work in, in my opinion. I, I don't disagree with you. I just, there are inherent responsibilities. It's like, it's my right as an artist to say what I want. Um, mm-hmm. Cardi B's right to, you know, Cardi B's right to write, and 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 Megan Thee Stallion's right to to create to produce the song WAP. The social ramifications of that song are, you know, are still things that, you know, they're not going to feel it in their bank account. But you bear some responsibility for the things that come out of your mouth. To me, it falls along the lines of somewhat yelling bomb in the theater, and 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 I, and I look at those it, it's just it's just what happens bro you know what i mean like what was charles barkley's favorite line like i'm not a role model unfortunately so, you know societally um you know you are and there's just no getting around that now it's nothing that you can be convicted of you know what i mean it's a, but there, there is an inherent societal responsibility that comes with that we don't want to camp out there though but you mentioned the libra coin and facebook we know yeah. the power that twitter has held in, is is that is do you think social media platforms are a good way to introduce cryptocurrency to the baseline user? Um, just the soft shoe because you're already there anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly tons of conversation about Bitcoin and you know other cryptocurrencies on social media. They kind of they were kind of birthed simultaneously. You know, Bitcoin was created in 2019, um, and that's kind of kind of around the same time that you kind of saw the the rise of the Facebooks and the creation of Twitter. And so, um, wait, did you say 2019? Did you say 2019? I'm sorry, 2009. I may have said 2019. Right. I meant to say 2009. Um, but yeah, I mean they're kind of created at the same time, so they they're almost incestuous in some ways. I just think that you know. You know, Facebook's got the Libra coin. You know, Twitter has the Twitter coin. Instagram's got the Instagram coin. You know, I do think, Wes, that these technologies um, have the have the power to help us avert 
almost certain well, disaster. I don't know how quickly it can happen. My well, biggest concern, well, and you, you and I talk about this, you know, offline. My biggest concern is, what does the average American uh, do if and when the Amer the U.S. economy completely bottoms out, like tank tanks, and you know, uh, not of their own volition have they been placed in a very untenable situation. If you're a guy or a gal who's just been going to work and working hard and saves up your 401k and, and you played by all the rules that were set out in front of you, you, you did all the things that were set out in front of you, to be thrown a giant bubkiss if, if uh, Bernie Madoff runs off with your 401k is one thing. To have your life, and we saw it, this year, I think, with the toilet paper crisis as a, as a microcosm. Americans aren't built for this, Wes. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's being taken seriously enough. Um, you know, Americans aren't built for this type of austerity, let alone complete collapse. Well, I don't even think it's just Americans. I think it's human beings, generally speaking. But Well, but if you're from, think... hold on real quick, I'm going to let you continue. But if you're from country X in the quote-unquote third world, the economy yeah. collapsing. Yeah, you, you make a dollar a day. The economy collapsing, yeah. what does that mean? Part for the course. It's part yeah. of the course. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point, right? And, and for the longest time when I talked to people about Bitcoin, they were like, yeah, but it, that'll never happen in America. Well, you know I'm saying? I'm saying never. Like, you know, the, the more you say something, it will never happen, the more inevitable it is that it will incur. Sure. Um, can you repeat your question? I lost my train of thought. Well, I'm just saying is that it, it, I, it wasn't really a question as much. It was a statement that you can add an addendum onto or not. I just don't think that – well, my question was, is there enough time to retool our way of doing things monetarily in order to avert almost certain disasters? Oh, I mean – as an individual, as, as, as a sovereign being, you can elect to participate in a different system, right? And I feel like that is really the only thing that anybody can do. I mean, we use the analogy that they've just been kind of kicking the can down the road with the dollar. I would say that they've kicked it off the cliff, and it does not hit the ground yet, so nobody really right. – right. it, is, it, is it is in a free fall currently. So, I mean, look, I'm – I'm probably overly bullish on Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, um, in that 80 to 90% of my net worth is in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, I, now, I would not recommend that for everybody across the board because I feel that people should, especially with something as risky and volatile as Bitcoin, like don't spend more than, you know, than you're comfortable losing. Like, same thing is, you know, when you go to Vegas and you decide that you want to gamble, well, don't don't spend don't spend your rent money, but if if you saved up two thousand dollars to have a nice vacation, you know, you're you're willing to lose it, right? It's sure. It's kind of. It's, I don't want to say that it, Bitcoin is a gamble, because I don't believe it to be that, but it is a hedge against the traditional financial system. And if it does collapse, then having that hedge, whether it's five or 10% of, of your savings in Bitcoin, like will become so valuable if, if I'm right and everything does collapse. You'll be right. glad that you, that you at least had, had that insurance policy if nothing else. 
bruh, I don't think that the, I don't think that it gets any more whole heart truthy than that, to be quite honest with you. Hey, well, I'm, I'm glad that I that I was able to, to to do the show's namesake for sure. Yeah, man, you met the standard, but uh, I wouldn't expect anything less of you. As we close out, though, for those that don't know, West is a fucking Laker fan. You want to go out now? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck, Mark Gasol? How did they get a hold of Marcus? Like, I didn't think they were going to be able to retool, bro, and put themselves in a position to win a back-to-back title. But as it stands right now, although did you see the – you see Brooklyn's first game? I'm sorry, what was that last part? Did you see the uh, Brooklyn, Katie, and, and company's first game preseason? Uh, I did not. But I feel like any any situation that Kyrie is in will ultimately deteriorate. I'm hoping so. There's a part of me that's just like, you know what, Katie, I love you. I can't wait to see this. And it already started. You know, he's already been tussling back and forth with the media, although I respect his right to speak or not yeah. speak as he sees fit. I, you know, that that's yeah. They shouldn't be forced to talk. I, was, I mean, one of my favorite professional athletes of all time, you know, young Skittles, was Skittles. notorious for, uh, yeah, beast mode. The ball. He was notorious for, you know, punking the media, which I thought was hilarious. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that they force these guys to talk is kind of crazy. But Kyrie also, whenever he's given the the platform to talk, talks too much. So he kind of, he kind of does it to himself. I'm going to tell you this right now, though. Him and KD, that squad in Brooklyn was scary. Um, I don't know, you know, who gives the Lakers a run for their money with what you guys did over the offseason. Um, my only hope is that the shortened, well, not shortened season, but the shortened, the weird start takes its toll. And God damn it, man. I just can't see the Lakers go back to back. It will literally yeah, I mean, ruin I, me. I feel better about them um, this year than I, than I did last year, for sure. The, the, the Clippers, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, the Clippers last year were the, were the team that everyone thought because of Kawhi, but, Kawhi is a really good player, but Kawhi hasn't really proven to be a great leader. And if he's not no, in the he's right not. environment where he can just Kawhi, it's it's not a it's not a good match. Um, and him know, and Paul Pierce together both suffer, I think, from that same deficiency. Yeah, for sure. I, I I would say Paul even more so than Kawhi because Paul tries to be vocal like a leader, but then doesn't like doesn't really lead by example. Um, Whereas Kawhi is just kind of quiet and does Kawhi and, you know, the team lets him get away with whatever he wants to get away with. Cause you know, what else are you going to do? You're the fucking Clippers, but. <laughs> Spoken like, uh, like, spoke like a true. Yeah, like I mean, a, it's just, it's just a, it's just a realist thing. You know what I mean? It's like the Clippers are like the Rockies, you know what I mean? No one ever expects the Rockies to be any good <laughs> or, or the Chargers, you know, the, the Chargers the, are every, a terrible year over year. Then every then every decade, then every decade the blind squirrel swings and hits the nut. Okay, last one I got for you. What the fuck is with this James Harden thing? Like you know what? I've never really been able to appreciate his talents past him leaving Oklahoma City. To be honest with you, it was novel and, and seeing him you know pour in points, you know in in bunches can be fun at times. I I really hate his game like all the way around from the way it looks the way he interacts with his 
with with his with his squadron. Um, how long is he in Houston? Um, you know, if I was the Rockets owner, I'd play hardball with him until I got a deal that I that I wanted. Because if you don't want to play, that's great. Then I just won't pay you. And and right now, that's a pretty good deal for me in 2020 to not pay James Harden's contract when. You know, I'm pretty sure that their owner is like uh, casinos in in Vegas type of guy. So he's he's not really his primary source of revenue isn't coming in. So if if James Harden wants to kind of be bitch made about it, making you know 45 million dollars a year, then so be it. <laughs> Would be my stance on it. But I think he'll get traded. I think the, you know it's the the player empowerment is a is a good thing. I feel like to a degree. Um, people shouldn't be trapped in situations unhappy where uh, in places where they they don't really want to be. Just yeah, yeah, but that was a that was a that, that's a situation of his own making. Like Mike D'Antoni, sure. for the longest time, just did whatever James needed, got him whoever he thought he needed. And between Chris Paul, yeah. Russell Westbrook, now John Wall, if you can't get to find a point guard that you can actually get along with, and you're terrible at running the point because otherwise no one else will touch the ball. Well, do you want to play by yourself, dude? Like, where do you think that's going to play? I think nope. James Harden would love to play by himself, given the option, actually. Yeah, he would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a really talented player, one of the one of the best offensive talents in the history of the game, for sure. But I feel like part of that is because he coasts on the other end of the floor, you know? If it's, right. If, if Kobe or NJ, you know, for the entirety of their career just – mailed it in on defense and reserved all of their energy for busting people's ass on O, like, yeah, I mean, they would have put up Will Chamberlain numbers. Right. Well, he's definitely well-rested. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I, West, I, Harden just bothers me because it's so boring to watch. Either, like, I mean, the, the, the step-back threes are cool, but it's like the amount of the, – the way that he exploits the rules on – uh, like the range of motion on the on the fouls, just like uh-huh. me. they're like almost yeah. unwatchable on league pass because they're like, oh yeah, cool, I'll watch Harden shoot free throws for fucking thirty minutes of 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 every game. It's like, ah, yeah, it, it, I, I mean, watch. he's one of those guys that, by virtue of the way he plays the game, he's one of the guys I always end up rooting against in terms of sure, rack up a bunch of points. Put yourself in the Basketball Hall of Fame. There's nothing easier to get into, by the way. I could be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Put yourself in the Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hopefully you, you'll, you you'll, you'll never be uh, a candidate. Book a basketball book? No, uh, what did you say? Have you read Bill Simmons' book of basketball? Uh-uh. I'll, I'll, I'll loan it out to you. I mean, whatever your opinion on Simmons may be, it's, it's good content. But he basically goes into, like, uh, the Hall of Fame and how it, he would like reorganize it because to your point, like everybody's in the NBA Hall of Fame, <laughs> and now he would just have like levels to it, like you know level five, level four, and like level one is like your iconic guys that change the game, where it's like you know your your top twelve to fifteen guys of all time, and they're like your level one Hall of Famers, and then everyone else is kind of tiered uh, below in varying degrees. But I found oh, dude, I'm a I'm a level seven at least. I'm a level seven at least. Wes, have you seen my jump shot? Have you seen my yeah, jump right? shot? I mean, are you gonna declare this year or are you gonna you gonna wait for a weaker draft class? I'm gonna wait for a weaker draft class, bro. I gotta you know what I mean? The knees aren't getting any younger. <laughs> for sure. 
Hey, man, I love you, brother. Thank you for uh, expanding upon your knowledge. And I'm going to – I think the next one that we do, we'll go straight sports. Yeah, I'm down for that. Before I I sign off, I will encourage people to actually go and find people that are much more knowledgeable and um, have a higher level of expertise about Bitcoin. And a couple of my favorites are Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, Robert Breedlove, and uh, Anthony Papliani. And you can find all those guys on Twitter. All they talk about is Bitcoin. So a lot of the ideas and thoughts that I have are, you know, derived from from reading and listening to those guys in addition to, you know, long-held beliefs that I've had as far as being anti-government in general. So Working in the space doesn't hurt either. Yeah, it certainly doesn't. There's no quicker way to learn something than to either, swing, to either sink or swim. <laughs> That is a a scary proposition. I think we just watched somebody go through that for four years, and it didn't go well. Hey, man, I think you would have won if it hadn't been for COVID. So it may have been some divine intervention there, regardless of what your opinion on COVID is. I think it may have single-handedly got Trump out of office. Well, we'll see what what Uncle Joe can do with it. Hopefully he's not sniffing any of the interns Uh, or their daughters. You're just trading out a preferred color, blue. Blue for red. Biden plays by the, the same set of rules that they've played by for forever. The thing that I didn't like about Trump is he didn't seem interested in playing by the rules, and we've obviously seen that play out since the election took place. So. All right. Hey, man, I love you, brother. Love you too, fam. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. Good job, West. So what say you? How do you feel about crypto and its futures it's a good question to ask yourself if you don't you know have any misgivings about trying new things my suggestion to you would be download coinbase throw twenty dollars thirty dollars a hundred dollars a couple hundred at it see what it does for you we are living in dynamic and ever-changing times and it's important to be on the front end and don't be one of those people that wonder what happened be one of those people that knows what happened. I always forget to do my like and subscribe thing. Make sure that you smash the subscribe button and you'll get every episode of The Whole Hard Truth when it rolls out, every new episode. And uh, keep up with what we're doing on the DMVR as well. I appreciate you guys. As always, you're the most beautiful audience in the, all of the podcast land. Seriously, though, appreciate y'all. Stay safe. Stay paid. Until next time. Warren Lamina, The Whole Hard Truth, signing off.